Jonah chapter 1 through 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found the ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried out to his God. And they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it up for them. But Jonah had gone down into the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, What do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come upon us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this thing that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you, that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared their Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All of your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, and yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The water closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head. At the roots of the mountains I went down to the land whose bars closed over me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit. O Lord my God, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with a voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. 
And he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything, let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned away from their evil ways, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Well, good morning and welcome to the weekend services here at Christ Community Chapel. My name is Zach. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so glad you're here with us this, this weekend, whether you're here in the West service with me, watching over in the East service or watching online. Thanks for spending a little time with us. I am really excited to wrap up our sermon series over the summer on the Old Testament, One Story, One Hero. I hope you've enjoyed looking at these stories for the first time or yet again, seeing how they all point us to Jesus. I hope that you've enjoyed the Jesus Storybook Bible, those of you that are doing the Jesus Storybook Challenge with us. Hey, I want you to know that over the course of the summer, we gave away over a thousand of those. Isn't that amazing? A thousand people or more probably reading it together, seeing that the Bible is one great story that points to Jesus. What a great time that has been. Uh, I also wanted to let you know before we get started a couple of things. One is I wanted you to know that Thursday night, I got a chance to spend some time with Pastor Joe, who of course is on sabbatical. For me, it felt like a kid going back to school and seeing his friend who he hadn't seen over the course of the summer. So it's been at least a month since I've seen him. He was very healthy, very happy, very rested, very tan, very relaxed. He never asked a single question about work, which I thought was great, but he did ask about how you were doing. And so I just wanted you to know that he is doing great. Karen is doing great, they love you, they miss you. He told me he might try to slip in sometime with like a fake mustache and glasses. Uh, look, we'll see how that goes. Look around, he may be among us even now, I don't know. Uh, but he's doing good, thank you for praying for him, please keep doing that. And I also wanted to remind you, as I've been doing every week, August 11th, Considering Jesus, the event is coming up. It's an event I am personally very passionate about, very excited about, as we bring in Pastor Scott Sauls from Nashville to speak to us about how the gospel of Jesus enables us to navigate this polarized world. I am really praying that God is gonna do something great at this event. We have hundreds of people already registered to come. Listen, I want you to know something about registration. If you have children and you're bringing children and they're going to be in our childcare, we need you to register so we know how many kids to plan for. But if you are not bringing children, it's always great if you register, it's helpful. Please do not let not registering keep you from coming, okay? You can still register, but even on the day of, plans change, come, come. We want as many people as we can get. We want you to bring people, very excited about that. Also wanna let you know to that end that, uh, of course, you know we have a podcast, Church Unplugged, that we release every so often, a way to help you navigate some of the questions you might be working through. Tomorrow's episode actually is an interview with Scott Sauls. 
So we wanted to do that so that you'd have an opportunity to hear from him, hear what he's excited about the event, hear his, his heart, uh, so that if you're on the fence about coming, I, here's what I believe. If you listen to that podcast, you're going to want to be here because I think just to listen to Scott talk is to want to hear him talk more. He's very kind and gentle and gracious and loving. I really want you to be at that event August 11th, considering Jesus. Please put it on your calendar. I'm very excited about that. I'm also excited about talking about Jonah. So if you have a Bible, would you take it out and open it up to the book of Jonah? Or if, uh, take out your phone and fire up the Bible app and scroll to the book of Jonah. As you do that, uh, I want to offer to you my outline. Four simple points, and they go like this. Why we need a missionary, the kind of missionary we deserve, the kind we get, and the kind we can become. Okay, why we need a missionary, the kind of missionary we deserve, the kind we get, and the kind we can become. But before I dive into that, let me say this. This story obviously involves a scene in which a fish swallows a man who lives in the fish for three days, okay? And I just know some of you out there are thinking, how can I take this story seriously? There's a guy living in a fish for three days. Some of you are maybe here, you're not Christians, and you're going, I can't believe this many people show up to hear a story about a fish that swallows humans and then spits them out. Here's what I want you to know. In our culture, we tend to have a very high view of Jesus. We love Jesus. He's great. He's loving. He's kind. He's gentle. He has insight into who God is, right? We love Jesus. High view of Jesus, low view of the Bible, right? We love Jesus, eh, the Bible. Well, here's what I want you to know. Jesus, in the Gospels, the story of Jesus' life, affirms the historicity of this story multiple times. There are multiple times in the Gospel that Jesus references Jonah as a historic event. Jesus believed there was a guy named Jonah who was swallowed by a fish, spit out by the fish, and went to preach to the city of Nineveh. So you can decide whatever you want to decide, but in so much as you have any positive feelings towards Jesus, let me encourage you to lean into this story, not away from it, despite maybe your shortcomings about a man eating fish, okay? All right, first point, here we go. Start, starting off, first point, which is why we need a missionary. Now, this story begins with God saying to a prophet named Jonah, hey, I want you to go to a city called Nineveh, and I want you to preach against it. I want you to speak out against it. In other words, God is saying to Jonah, I have a problem with Nineveh. I am not happy with Nineveh, and I want you to go, and I want you to tell them. Now, God is not exaggerating. He really is not happy with Nineveh. In fact, in the Old Testament, there are 12 books called Minor Prophets. They're not called minor because they're not important. They're called minor because they're shorter. Jonah is a minor prophet. Another minor prophet is Nahum. And the entire book of Nahum is dedicated to God telling Nineveh how angry he is with them, okay? So Nineveh is such a bad place, they get an entire book of the Bible with God just listing his grievances against them, okay? So God is saying to Jonah, I am mad at Nineveh. I am upset with them, I'm angry with them, and my judgment is coming against them. I want you to go to Nineveh and tell them. In fact, in chapter three, after you know, the whole fish incident, when Jonah goes to Nineveh, his message that God gives him is this, 40 days and God's gonna destroy you. 
That's the message. 40 days and he's going to destroy you. Judgment is coming. It's coming in 40 days and you better do everything you can to change God's mind. That is Jonah's message. That is what God wants Nineveh to know. Now what's interesting is when God says that to Jonah, Jonah decides he is not going to go to Nineveh. In fact, if you've read this story in the Jesus Storybook Bible, she says that Jonah goes to the ticket counter and says, I'd like one ticket to not Nineveh, okay? And and what she's saying there is, is what's true geographically is that Jonah doesn't just pick a random place to sail to. He actually picks a place that is in the complete opposite direction of Nineveh, Tarshish. He gets on a boat going the complete opposite way. He does not want to go. And of course, the battle between God and Jonah is gonna make up the rest of the book. And we'll look at that in a minute. But as Jonah sails in the opposite direction, as a reader, I can't help but wonder, who's going to tell Nineveh? Because God is still mad at them. It doesn't matter where Jonah sails to, God is still mad at them. In fact, if the message is, you have 40 days, the countdown clock is ticking. Who is gonna tell them? Because here's the reality. In chapter one, Nineveh does not know anything about the God of the Bible. They do not know he's mad at them. They do not know that they have 40 days till he wipes them out. And they do not know that they can avoid that if they change his mind. They don't know any of that. None of it. The clock is ticking, God is mad, judgment is coming, and they are completely and utterly ignorant. And in that is the reason why we need a missionary. Because here's what I'm saying. Nineveh will never know that there's a God or that he's mad at them or that judgment is coming or that they can escape that judgment unless somebody who knows those things tells them. And the same is true for you and I. We can never know anything about God, what he likes, what he doesn't like, how he feels about us, if he's mad at us, if judgment is coming, if there's a way out of judgment. We can never know any of that unless God sends someone to tell us. This is, by the way, what the Apostle Paul means in Romans 10 when he says, how can they believe in someone they've never heard of and how can they hear unless someone tells them? That's the point. Listen, I know in our culture, it's popular to pontificate on what you think God might be like. We say things like, well, when I think about God, I think about this, or you know, to me, God is like this. He's like a bird or like a tree. When I'm on the lake, I feel close to God, right? We like to say stuff like that. And I also know in our culture, it's unpopular to say things like, that's silly, that's ridiculous. But zero in on this, that's silly and ridiculous. You were not born knowing God. You don't intuit God. The only way for you to have any knowledge or any awareness of who God is and how he feels and what he's doing and what that means for you is if he sends someone to tell you. We need a missionary. That is why, by the way, if you're here and you're not a Christian, and you were brought this morning by a family member or a friend or a colleague, you're watching online because someone sent you the link and you think, why won't they leave me alone? Why won't they stop? Why does it matter to them that I think about these things? Here's why, here's what we believe. The only way to know who God is, how he feels about you, and what he wants to do 
is for someone to tell you. That's the only way. It's the only way any of us know. By the way, that friend you're thinking about bringing to considering Jesus, those kids you're thinking about loading up and bringing to kids camp, the only way they can know anything about God is if someone tells them. That's why we need a missionary. We need someone to tell us who God is, how he feels, and what that means. But here's the second thing I want you to see. The kind of missionary we deserve. So God says to Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh because they don't know that I'm mad at them. They don't know that judgment is coming. They don't know that they can escape judgment. So I want you to go tell them. And Jonah says, no, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Why doesn't Jonah want to go? Well, there are two reasons. One is he knows Nineveh. Nineveh is an incredibly evil place. The Assyrians were an incredibly barbaric society. You can Google it, Wikipedia it. It's there for you. The Assyrians were incredibly barbaric, and Jonah knows it. Again, an entire book of the Bible is about just how evil they are. In, in Nahum, one of the things Nahum will say is their evil was unceasing. They never stopped doing evil. Jonah does not want them to escape judgment. In other words, God says, they need to know I'm going to hit the button. And Jonah is saying, perhaps if I go on a vacation, I don't know, maybe 41 days, God will just hit the button. That's what he wants. He wants them to be destroyed he, because he knows who they are. In fact, at the end of Jonah, Jonah chapter 4, which is outside of our reading today, Jonah, after God forgives Nineveh, Jonah gets mad. In chapter 4, he's the only preacher to ever preach an altar call and have an entire city come to faith and get angry about it. Most preachers today would sign up for a three-book deal if that happened. But, but Jonah is mad, and here's what he says to God. I'm mad because I knew you would forgive them. I knew you were sending me there so that they would repent. I knew you would, you would show them mercy, and that's why I didn't want to go. He doesn't want them to be forgiven. He doesn't want them to escape judgment. Why? Because he knows who they are. Listen, let me let you in on something. Any missionary who pays attention to my life is not going to want me to be forgiven. In fact, when you are understanding yourself from a biblical perspective, here's what you know, that in your life, in your story, there are plenty of Jonas who would say to God, you absolutely cannot forgive that person. Don't you know what he's done? Don't you know what he said? Don't you know how he hurt me? Don't you know how he failed me? Don't you know how he lied to me? You absolutely cannot forgive that person. Let me give you an analogy. Some of you know this, but I happened to drive a bright orange vehicle. In hindsight, that was a mistake. Okay? And here's why. Because I'm not the greatest driver in the world. Okay? I'm not as bad as some of you. Okay? But I'm not the greatest driver in the world. And when I'm not paying attention in particular, which is, you know, I hate to say it often, when I'm kind of, my mind is wandering, uh, I, I can drive too fast. I can uh, pause at a stop sign, roll through it, take a corner too quick. I mean, it's just the way it is for me. Most of you, if you know me, you know I do everything fast. And so if I'm not paying attention, boy, I can really, really, you know, break the rules, so-called. 
of driving. And, and you know, look, we'd all say that. We've all driven too fast. We've all rolled through a stop sign. We've all, and that's fine, except for if your car is bright orange. Because then it's really hard to get away with it. You know, it's like everyone notices you speeding or running through a stop sign or taking a corner too fast. And not only do they notice it, they know who you are. Okay, so they're not just like, oh, look at that guy in the bright orange car. Like, that's Pastor Zach. I hope he's going to repent tonight of his driving. And listen, some of you, the reason why I know you notice is because some of you let me know, okay? And listen, when you let me know, that's my fault, not your fault, okay? You don't have anything to be ashamed of. If, if I am driving poorly, then I should expect people are gonna let me know that. And you do it very politely. So this is not a story about you, it's a story about me. The point is, my, my bad driving to me is, everybody's a bad, everybody cuts corners, everybody, but to you, it's bright orange. Do you see that? See, that's what Jonah's saying about Nineveh. God, these are not your run-of-the-mill sinners. These are not your average sinners. Maybe then I could preach forgiveness. These are bright orange sinners. Do you see how awful they are? Listen, do you understand that for someone, your sin is bright orange? Do you, do you know that? Your kids, your spouse, Coworkers, your neighbors, there is somebody in your life that sees the ugliness of your sin, sees the ugliness of your shortcomings, and is saying to God, you absolutely cannot let them get away with it. Do you feel that? And the way you know that's true is because there are other people whose sins to you are bright orange. And you would say to God, you can't let them get away with it. Don't you see what she's done? Don't you hear what he said? Don't you see how they failed me? And for some of you, you know this because your sins to you are bright orange. And you see, therein lies the problem, isn't it? Because we need a missionary, and yet who would ever want to come tell us about forgiveness? Who would ever want to come help us escape judgment? Who would ever want us to get out of being punished? We are guilty. We deserve it. We are bright orange. And that's the problem, isn't it? That's the kind of missionary we deserve. Jonah's not wrong. Nineveh doesn't deserve forgiveness. Nineveh should be wiped out. Nineveh is bright orange, and so are you, and so am I. So what do we do with that? Well, that leads me to my third point, which is to say there's the kind of missionary we deserve, but I want you to see the kind of missionary we get. Jonah is not actually the driving missionary of the book of Jonah. You have to be careful because the book is named after him. And so you, you tend to see him as the main character, right? This is the story of Jonah. Jonah is a missionary. But the actual missionary in the book of Jonah is God. After all, whose idea is it for someone to go to Nineveh and tell them that judgment is coming? It's God's. Who's, whose idea is it? Not once, but twice. I love the humor in that, by the way. Jonah won't go. He gets thrown overboard. He gets swallowed by a fish. He has his come to Jesus moment. The fish vomits him back out into the land. He's there, you know, he's got fish guts and, and he's wet and he's panting, you know, kissing the ground, right? And as soon as he gets done, God looks at him and goes, guess what? I still want you to go to Nineveh. 
right? It's the exact same. You look at the verses, the very beginning, and these are the same. God says, I haven't changed my mind. I haven't changed my mind. I still want you to go to Nineveh because God is the missionary in the book of Jonah. He never gives up. He's unrelenting. He's pursuing Nineveh. Even when Jonah gets to Nineveh, okay, his sermon is not great, by the way, full disclosure. I am way better of a preacher than Jonah. First of all, he doesn't have three points. He has no cute anecdotes about his children. Okay, none of that. He doesn't even alliterate. Instead, he just shows up and says, 40 days and you're gonna die. That's not even, not even a good sermon. But what happens? But what happens? They all repent instantly. The entire city, 120,000 people at least. A city so big, the book of Jonah says that it takes three days to walk across it. It's a huge city, a massive empire, and everyone repents. Even the king humbles himself and says, listen, let's, let's show God how sorry we are. Maybe he'll change his mind. It's a bad sermon, and yet it brings about the revival of an entire city. Why? Because God was already at work in Nineveh. That's the only explanation, right? Jonah gets there. God's already been doing stuff. And so he's like throwing a match onto a, a bunch of wood that has lighter fluid on it. It goes up. God is the missionary in the book of Jonah. God sees the bright orange of Nineveh's sin not as a reason to run from them. Are you listening to this? God sees the bright orange of Nineveh's sin not as a reason to run from them, but as a reason to run to them. God says to them, 40 days and judgment is coming. But Jonah hears that and goes, man, come quickly, come quickly, come quickly. God hears that and says, you still have 40 days. I don't want this for you. God is the missionary in the book of Jonah. By the way, not only to Nineveh, to the sailors in the boat. Do you see what happens? They throw Jonah overboard and the sea calms. And what do the sailors begin to do? These pagan Phoenician sailors begin to say, you are God. You are God. And not only to the sailors and not only to Nineveh, but to Jonah. Jonah is told to go to Nineveh and preach God's judgment, but the first sermon of judgment he gives is to himself. When he tells the sailors, you have to throw me overboard. I've messed up. And they throw Jonah overboard. And if you read Jonah's song, he believed in that moment he was going to die because his sin was bright orange to God. And if you're a prophet and you run from God, you deserve to die. And yet God sends a fish, swallows him up, and in the belly of the fish, Jonah realizes that when God had every right to see the bright orange of his sin and destroy him, instead God's desire was to rescue him. Because for every single character in the book of Jonah, God is a missionary who desires their rescue. Listen, there is not a human Pastor, preacher, prophet, writer, podcaster, thinker, influencer, who if they knew the dark corners of your mind and heart would still want to offer you grace. But the God of the Bible, when he sees the bright orangeness of your sin, his desire is to run to you, not away from you. He says, well, how do I know that? From Jonah? From a fish? From a prophet? From Nineveh? How can I know that? Not by Jonah, but by seeing the one Jonah points us to, which is Jesus. 
Because the God of the Bible, whose desire is to run towards sinners, not away from them, is the same God who sent his own son to come to earth. And here's what you see when you look at the life of Jesus. Jesus, who lives sinlessly. Jesus, who has no bright orangeness to him. In fact, when you read the life of Jesus, you notice two things. He's great, and we're not. Because when we are petty, he is kind. When we are judgmental, he is gracious. When we cut corners, he is righteous. Jesus lives sinlessly, and yet our bright orange sin is not repulsive to him. What does he say? I didn't come for the healthy. I came for the sick. I came to seek and save the lost. This Jesus, who will go to the cross and become, on, the beha- on behalf of all the church, will become the bright orange embodiment of sin himself. His sin will become so obnoxious to God that on the cross he will cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the answer to that is because God has taken all the sin of us and put it onto Jesus, and he pours out his judgment onto Jesus not giving Jesus a way of escape. Jesus not looking for a way of escape so that he might be crushed, paying the penalty for our sin and then dying. And then three days later, Jesus might say, don't you see your bright orange sin is not a reason for God to run from you, but for a reason for him to run to you. Judgment is coming, but if you'll grab hold of me right now, you can escape it. Don't you see, you would never know anything about God unless someone told you. And God knows that if anyone knew you, really knew you, they would never want to tell you. So he came himself to tell you. Not because he doesn't know the dark corners of your heart and mind and soul, but because he does and he knows no one else would go. And I have to tell you, judgment is coming for all of us. And yet the message to us is the same as it was to Nineveh today, today, if you turn from your sin, today, if you reach out for Jesus, today, if you grab hold of him, you will be spared because God's heart is for sinners, not against them. Do you see? Ordinarily, I would end the sermon there. That'd be a good ending. But let me add a fourth point because I think we need to hear it. And that fourth point is the kind of missionary we can become. Because you see, what this book is really about is God and Jonah having a disagreement over how you ought to think about the bright orangeness of someone else's sin. Jonah sees it as a reason to crush them, God as a reason to rescue them. Jonah doesn't want to preach to Nineveh because he doesn't like them. They're a different ethnicity. They're a different nationality. They have different politics than him. Jonah is a nationalist. He's an ethnocentrist. He's an us and they're a them. God is for us, not for them. He wants them to be destroyed. Listen to me, listen to me. Jonah and God disagree over what you ought to want for your enemies. Your understanding of the gospel of Jesus, what God has done for you in Jesus, is directly measured by what you desire for your enemies. For those who vote differently than you, who have different yard signs than you, who look different than you, whose values are different than you, 
politics, sexual orientation, addictions. Listen, here's the truth. We are all like Jonah. We all have thems. We all have Ninevehs. We all have people that if we were God, we would just hit the button. I hear it in the way we speak. I read it in our Facebook posts and our tweets and the way we denigrate and bring down and speak of people like they're not people. Listen, all we reveal when we do that is that we have yet to really grasp the gospel for ourselves. You see that in the life of Jonah, by the way. Jonah, who when he is going down into the ocean as the judgment of God, knowing he deserves death, is rescued by God. And look at what he says in verse 9. Chapter 2, verse 9, look at what he says in this song. He says this. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Do you see what he's saying? I deserved judgment, but I received grace because it's up to God. Salvation belongs to the Lord. That when the fish spits him out and God says, go to Nineveh, Jonah finds himself saying, Nineveh deserves judgment, but it receives grace because salvation belongs to the Lord. Listen, let me ask you a question. What do you desire for your enemies, judgment or grace? Not just groups of people, by the way, individual people. People have hurt you. People have wronged you. What do you desire for them? Judgment or grace? Look, the book of Jonah teaches us this. The further we get from our own experience of God's grace, the more likely we are to want judgment for our enemies. And the closer we are to the experience of God's grace, the more likely we are to desire for them to experience the same grace. How can we, a people who believe that our sin was so repulsive to God that it caused the death of his own son, and yet he forgave us and loved us and welcomed us, have anything to offer our enemies other than grace. May that never be true of us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the book of Jonah. Thank you that Jonah is not the main character, because if it was, it would end after verse 2. Thank you that you are the missionary of Jonah. You are the missionary of the Bible. Jesus, you are the one who comes, not begrudgingly like Jonah, but willingly, loving us, not needing to be pushed, not needing to be challenged, but willingly even dying on the cross. Holy Spirit, would you work that into our hearts and minds, maybe for the first time, even as we look to next week to baptize, maybe some are here right now saying, oh my goodness, I believe this, who will be baptized this weekend, even. But for those of us who are your people, May we be more like you than Jonah. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.